Man, we're glad you guys are here today. If you're new today, if it's your first time, we're super glad that you made it today. And um, I'm glad you made it through the hurricane. You guys have all made it. You, hopefully your power is back on. If, you, if it's not, you might want to call somebody because everybody else's is. And, um, and I hope you're doing, you're doing well. And um, I want to say this to you, though. I'm going to just a quick time out. We, um, we're partnering with a church in Haiti and um, there in Jacmel, whenever the earthquake hit, um, the church that helped launch us, um, they, we really just knew that we wanted to go and help those people where so many lives were lost in Haiti. And so we, um, so we partnered this church. And so I got on an airplane one Sunday or one Monday and I flew over there to kind of check things out and see what things, how things were and if, how things were. And so we did a little two day survey trip. I went, I got there to, flew into um, I don't know, whatever the city is, and we drove to Jacmel, and from Jacques, Port-au-Prince, flew into Port-au-Prince, drove to Jacmel three hours <laughs> to get there. And when you get to the base of the mountain in Haiti, three hours up the mountain, it's dangerous. It's, it's, so it's a six-hour deal once you get there, and there's a little place up there, a little, a little hope center, if you will. It's got an orphanage, and it's got a... Um, it's got a school, um, a school up there and a church up there. And up, in, up there in Haiti, I wish I could give you like really good numbers on what, the, what their cost of living is. But the cost of living in Haiti, um, where the mountain is, it's zero dollars because it's completely contingent upon whether or not the crops are good. And so I just got a phone call uh, just yesterday that the crops are gone now. And so I want our church to help with helping them get things going and helping them get, getting going and back up again. And their biggest need there at the orphanage there is um, I was talking to Teresa just this, this morning is that they need um, food up there. That's like their biggest need. They have to go down this mountain. It, now the roads are washed out. Because they're up in the mountain, it'll take a while for them to get help. And so they need food and they need, they need beans and they need rice. That's, that's what they eat a lot there. And, um, and they need money to begin to replant their crops and their businesses. And so here's what we're going to do. They also have an orphanage there. So we're going to take whatever we give, whatever comes in today, 20% of our offering today is going to go out. 10% goes to church planning, which we've almost planted 100 churches since the year, since this past year we started. But another 10% is going to go and we're going to send money to, to, um, to, um, to Haiti. One other thing we're going to do is they have an orphanage there and they feed all the kids infamil with iron. Infamil with iron there. And she was, um, Teresa was telling me this morning that one of the kids there has HIV, and um, it's just devastating. It's, it's, it's crazy to live in devastation, but then to add more devastation. Diana's dad, I heard Diana's dad say one time about our friends in Nairobi, Kenya, is that they live in, they live in a hurricane every single day in, in Nairobi, Kenya. Every day is a hurricane. So you can imagine living in devastation and then being in more devastation. So whatever you give today, um, we've kind of made a commitment at our church not to keep everything that comes in this house and use it for us and, and do more for us. But we really come in here and we take care of our house. And once we take care of our house, we want to go out and we want to serve our surrounding areas. And ultimately, we want to we serve the world. The Bible says go out to all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the most part. So we believe that we're called to be here, help local, and then go out. And so um, we're going to do that. And then also, I need about 10 of you guys that will next week that you'll bring in a can of Infamil with iron, okay? So just need 10 of you guys to do that. I know that you guys can just nod your head if you're going to bring a can in next week. Just nod your head. Yeah, that symbol, look, that should be no problem. Yeah. So next week, if you can bring a can in, and uh, we're going to send that. And, and also, Teresa, she's a partner of our church. She's actually going to be going to Jacmel um, up to Haiti where the, where the mountain is. She's actually going to be going there in November. So, and part of the money that will, on Friday, we'll wire the money to get beans and rice, and then we'll also take some money out of our missions budget here at the church, and we'll help ship that infamil to go there. If you want to help in a greater way, just see me after church. But whatever you give today, whether it's online or whether it's in the service today, we're going to send 
a part of, part of that out. Um, and we just believe that God's called us not to store up treasures for ourselves, but he's called us to help and serve the world. And we live in the greatest country in the world where um, our, the poorest person in America will make, will, is rich compared to most over half the world. So we want to help out and we want to partner with them. I think that's it. I think that's part of my commercial. We're glad you're here today. I'm glad you made it. You look good. Most of you smelled good when I hugged you today. And um, we're glad that you are here today. You're walking into week two of a series called Strapped. Week two of a series called Strapped. And we, if we were to take a poll in here today, and I were to ask you today, how many of you guys do not want to live strapped? Everyone, that'd be unanimous. Nobody wants to live, live strapped. And um, I'm going to get through this sermon today, because I, I know some of you guys, how many of you guys got to make it to the Garth Brooks? You got to make it to Garth Brooks today. Anybody going today? Any Garth Brookers going today? Yeah, boy. I secretly want to go. I'm not going to lie. Just saying. You're like, bro, you're a bro. Why do you want to see Garth Brooks? Because I grew up on it. I don't know. My dad went through this phase where he was country western. My dad is as black as his podium. But he went through a phase where he was cowboy. You're like, who says that about their dad? He's not here today. And um, that's what he gets for missing church. Uh, but he, uh, he went through this country western phase where he was wearing... I'm not kidding. He, he, was wearing, he was wearing jeans. He was wearing cowboy boots. Kim, you're laughing, but it was, it was, it was embarrassing for a middle school and high school student. <laughs> when your dad gets out of the truck, red man in his lip, dipping, jeans, cowboy boots. He went, he went in denim on denim before it was cool. Now it's cool, with, you know, unbuttoned and open with a cool shirt. Underneath. But he would tuck it in, and he never wore a belt buckle, but he would wear his shirt buttoned up right here, and he would wear one of those bolos. One of those country western. You can imagine what kind of trauma that did for me as a middle school and high school student. I'm still going through rehab. And so that was my dad. But I, I kind of I wanted to go and see Garth's greatest hits. And I had that CD too because my dad was country. Anyways, we're glad you're here today. We're in a series called Strapped. And nobody wants to live strapped. Nobody wants, there's not a person in this, in this series, in, in, this, in this room, that want to live strapped. And, and you're like, man, I'm not, you, you may think of strapped, you might automatically think of finances. You may say, I'm not, I'm not strapped financially. You may not be strapped financially. Maybe you're strapped, maybe you're strapped with, we talked about last week, the, the, the demons inside of our head or the voices inside of our head. Maybe that straps you. Maybe fear paralyzes you. Maybe fear par paralyzes you. Maybe peer, uh, fear, it, it kind of straps you down and and, and maybe that's not yours. Maybe your past straps you down. Maybe you can't go any further. You can't do anything more that God has for you because maybe you live, maybe you, you live strapped in, in talking about when it comes to in regards of your fear. Maybe some of you guys is anxiety or maybe it's depression or maybe it's, it's whatever. The list is long, but it would be silly for you to come here and say and walk around with, with bungee cords strapped, strapped on you. That'd be silly, right? If you walked around with, with straps on you, and, and that, was, that was your life. Every single day you walked around with this, with, with strapped up and, and lived tight like that guy looks in the picture. He looks silly. Could you imagine going to breakfast this morning and going to reach for your coffee, but your hands being strapped, not being able to reach out and get your coffee. So you, you live strapped. And, or maybe you go to live life and when you go to talk to someone, you go say, hey, I can't talk to you. And you can't because your mouth maybe is strapped. Or maybe, you, maybe there's people today that you're doing a little bit better than they're doing because they're actually so strapped they can't even leave their house today. They can't because of, because of the fear of the unknown or maybe because of a depression or anxiety or frustration or, or maybe because they don't like me. I don't know. But maybe they didn't come today because, they didn't, because they're strapped. Maybe it's relationally. Maybe it, the list goes on. But you live, we live this strapped 
life and said, it'd be foolish of me to let you come all the way in this way, all the way to this church, come be a part of what we're doing today. And me say to you, hey, good luck. And with being strapped out there, you're going to make it. The best is yet to come. That'd be foolish. And hopefully if you're coming to this church, you've been here for a while enough, you've been here enough now to know that we want to give you answers that will help you. We want to give you answers that will, we want to give you answers that will help you get you to where you're going to be at. We, we do want the best. We do believe the best is yet to come for you in your life. We do believe that your relation, you can be, you can be unstrapped relational. We believe you can be unstrapped financial. We believe that God is the God of abundantly more. And so we believe the best for you. We believe the greatest for you. But I think sometimes we actually hang on to the straps because it's what we know. It's comfortable. I, I've been there before. I know what it's like to wear the straps, Wes, because I've worn the straps before. But walking in freedom is hard for me because I've never walked in freedom before. I've never walked with this idea of everything's going everything's gonna to be okay. I'm going to make it. I've never walked. I've walked with, I've walked crippled most of my life. And so it kind of, it's kind of weird for me to kind of even think about going in this idea of freedom. And this idea of being able to go and, and, and live this life that God has planned for me. It's, it's hard for me to fathom the best being yet to come because most of my life I've lived completely strapped. Arms tied down, legs tied down. Maybe you're not being able to say the words that you want to say. And so we want to help you free. We want to help you leave here, leave here free. We want you to live free and not strapped. There's a lady in the Bible who lives strapped. And she lives strapped relationally. <clears throat> and so I want to unpack her story for us today if we can. And hopefully we can look at her life. And so here's the deal. If you don't learn from other people's mistakes, if we don't live from other people's issues are theirs, then you begin to repeat those things. You begin to do the exact same thing that they did. So when I look at people today, I want to be a learner. I want to look at you and say, hey man, tell me what you did wrong. Tell me how I can make it, make it ahead. I, I told you guys this before, if you've been here for a while, I do everything in the world until I was about 25 years old. Like, man, he's smart. Yeah, I knew everything until I woke up one day and realized I knew nothing. <laughs> and when you know nothing, you can learn a lot. When you know nothing, you can learn an absolute lot. You can ask my mom. She's here today. You're asking my brother. I'm just, I was a know-it-all. And I work on not being that now, but I knew everything. And I woke up one day and I realized, man, Wes, you don't know everything. And if you begin to be a learner, you can actually learn a lot. You can actually live your life as an empty vessel. You actually can be filled with substance instead of yourself. And so I began to process what that looked like. And hopefully today I can help you with that as well. We empty ourselves and we can be unstrapped. John chapter 4, there's a lady, and um, she didn't have any friends. And, and we'll begin to unpack why she doesn't have any friends. And not that she has any friends, she, she's not like people talk about her. She's the kind of person that when she walks into the supermarket, people grab their, um, pe- their family they're with, like, hey, let's go this way. There's that lady. Let's not talk to her. Maybe when she walks into, into, the, into the restaurant, to the movies, the theater, people start to automatically put their hands up over their mouth and say, here, here comes that lady. And nowhere she goes can she walk in with her, with her head held high. She walks in shame and guilt and, and frustration. And she has lived her life strapped. But the good news is, is, spoiler alert, at the end of the story, you see here the chains get broken loose and she begins to live her life Unstrapped. If you have a Bible in John chapter 4, the story is infamously known as the, the woman at the well. You've heard the story before if you've been in church. If you haven't, I'm gonna, it reads well. If you just read the story, you'll be able to catch up. You'll be able to learn uh, quickly this lady's story. Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. 
Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. So Jesus was going from Judea to Galilee. And people were frustrated with him because they were like, oh, he's baptizing more people than John. There was a guy before Jesus, his name was John. And in the Bible, he gets the nickname John the Baptizer. That was his deal. He was baptizing people. And people were getting baptized because they were beginning to fall in this thing called the way or this Jesus movement or this, this, this Heavenly Father, this Jesus, God, Holy Spirit thing. They were beginning to follow that. And so those people that were following that thing were becoming this people that were called the way. They're following the way. And, and we're going to baptize people here in October the 30th, this last Sunday of the month. If you haven't been baptized yet, we'd love for you to go through Believer's Baptism. There's going to be a class October the 23rd. It'll, give you, it'll be 15 minutes. It'll tell you more about baptism. But we want to baptize you because we want to be able to, it's part of your journey. People that get baptized, they're saying, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. And so many of you guys have given your life to Christ here at this church. And the step, next step for you is to go through Believer's Baptism. And so the story goes on a little bit further. They're, they're, they're complaining. He's baptizing people. They're, they're mad because people are following this thing called the way. They're mad because people are following this thing called Jesus. He had to go through Samaria on the way there. Now, time out. Uh, he didn't have to go through Samaria. He could have went around Samaria. Now, Jesus being a Jew, he's going to go through Samaria. And Samaritans, they were half Jew, half Gentiles. And Jews, they thought they were, they, they were in, in this, they were, they, were, they were no good. No one liked them because they were, they were a mixed breed. No one wanted to hang out with them. No one liked them. No one liked the Jews didn't like them because they were, they were considered lower than them. And it was, it was just, they, were, they were really racist towards them. And more so than that, not only were they, they thought they were a lower class, that the, the men in that time, they didn't talk to the ladies. And you're going to see Jesus, he's going to go and he's going to have a conversation with the Samaritan, Jesus being a Jew, he's going to have a conversation with this lady who's a Samaritan. And more so than that, she's a lady. So it's two strikes. And not only did, the thing that blows in mind, that's what I love about Jesus, Jesus doesn't always go the, Jesus doesn't go around. He goes right through Samaria. And, and what we want you to know about Jesus is, you, Jesus, is coming, Jesus will come straight to you. But here's the good news. You can go straight to Jesus. You don't have to get, that's what I love about the gospel. You don't have to get all cleaned up to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus, he cleans you up. Like, man, I'm going to do this, 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 I'm going to do this. And Tripp was counting to 14 the other day. Hope said, you don't know what 10 plus 4 is. So he went, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You can't do that. I ran out of fingers. <laughs> That's what he said. I, I don't have any more fingers, so you can't do 10 plus 4. And I'm like, he's right. He ran out of fingers. <laughs> and Hope's like, no, once you get to here, then you put them down, and then you begin to count with them again. And in this story, this lady, she's, she's lived this life. And I got off track while I was sharing that with you. But the point was is that we list all these things. It's going to come back to me if I start talking about it. I don't remember. Anyways, the point is I got ADD. She lives... She, Jesus will, you don't have to go get rid of all these things. You can just come to Jesus. And he begins to take the straps off of you. Relational issues, dysfunctional issues. Everyone in this room here, we say, has a hurt, habit, or hang-up. Everyone's got one. And he, God begins to take those hurts, habits, and hang-ups from you. Just come to him. Just show up. When you move, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, that song says, we, we just, when you move, we want to move with you. When you, when you fall, we want to come, we, we come down, we want to be at your feet. And so that's kind of the way that you get the straps taken off you. You just come to Jesus. And so in this story, we see this lady. Jesus goes right through Samaria. He could have went around where most Jews would have went around. Not Jesus. He goes right through the middle there. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from the long walk. He sat wearily beside the well about noontime. 
Soon soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Hey, lady. Hey, girl, hey. Can I get a drink of water? That's what he says. You're like, did you make that up? He says, can I get a drink of water? That's what I would like. As soon as the Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink of water, he was alone at the time because the disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. You guys go get some McDonald's, some Chipotle. I'm going to get some water. We'll rendezvous back here. So it's Jesus by himself, and this lady comes up. And they're at noon. It's, they're at, it's noon. And the reason why she's there at noon is because she can't go at 6 a.m. before the sun comes out because of her lifestyle. And we're going to read about her lifestyle in just a moment. This, her lifestyle, she, she, this lady was relationally, she was dysfunctional. It was, she lived in unhealthy relationships. And because she lived that way, because of something that happened to her, led her to this place where she lived in unhealthy relationships. And now she's at a place where she can't go get water. Everybody else goes to get water. She has to go at noon because no one's there at noontime. Because if you had to go and work, if you were a farmer, if you lived in ag- agriculture, you wouldn't go at high noon either because it'd be hot. You'd go when it was the most cool out. And so she's there at noontime, and Jesus is there, and Jesus knew she was going to be there. He asked her for a drink of water. The woman was surprised, for Jesus refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So she stiff arms him. She's like, yo, bro, you don't know me. That's, that's just right. She's like, hey, stop. Enough. She stops him. And it's easy to look at the story and be like, oh, man, she just tipped on Jesus. But we do the same exact thing. He'll speak into us and be like, God, I'm not, ah. God, you can work in this area. God, I'll give you, this is what I'll give you with God. You can work in this area, but do not come in this area. We do that with God sometimes. Don't we? Like, we draw a circle. You're like, God, this is my circle. You stay out of it. Or we draw a line over here. I always draw this as a line here. You can't see this line. This stage is four by eight sections. So there's a line here. We draw a line. We say, God, I'm going to operate in here. And if I need you, I'll come get you. But if I don't need you, you stay right there. Be a good boy, Jesus. And so she stiffs on him. She says, hey, you don't, you don't know me. Why are you talking to me? I don't want to talk to you. I, I'm strapped. You don't really know my kind of strap, but I'm strapped. Stay there. Stay back. I don't want you to get any closer. And Jesus says to her, if you only knew the gift of God, you, if you only knew the gift of God that he has for you, if you knew who you were speaking to, you'd be asking me for a drink. You'd be asking me for, he says here in the New Living Translation, you'd be asking me for living water. So Jesus rebuttals. He says, hey, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water. Because the water I have, it'll change your life. And so she, they, let's keep on reading. Jesus, if you only knew the gift of God has for you, she, he says, and you were speaking to, you'd be asking me, I'd give you living water. Verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. <laughs> so she stops him again. Sir, you don't have a rope or bucket. This well's very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than the ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his, an- and his animals that, en- that enjoyed it, he sa- she says. So she says, hey, you don't have a rope or a bucket, bro. Like, you should be talking to me, number one. Number two, you don't have a rope or a bucket. How are you going to get water? How, are you, are you, and then she says to him, are you greater than the one that gave us this bottle, this, this deep well? And he's kind of like, yes, I am. I'm glad you asked. She says, he says, hey, just stop. Stop, lady. Ladies, stop. Ladies, you know how sometimes you, maybe some guys too, you just start talking. 
<laughs> I'm trying to backpedal out of this, Yachty. You know how ladies, you just start, guys, you know what I'm saying? When ladies just start talking, you just got to listen, which I'm totally cool with. I'm not knocking it. All the ladies got their hands crossed. Like, oh, no, you didn't. You just start talking. You just start, you just start, you just start listening, you know, guys. And, and be honest with you guys, let me give you a little marriage advice. Or if you want to be dating, you, you, they don't want you to always talk when they start talking. They just want you to listen. They don't want you to fix their problems. <laughs> Some of you guys are nudging your husbands. And girls, if you, when you find that guy, you, you find a guy who's a good listener. You know, girls, they want, guys, they want us to listen to him. And if you listen to him, guys, you can learn a lot. Here's the best marriage advice. If you're married here today, you have two options. You can either be right or you can be happy, but you can't be both. <laughs> That's free. Chew on it. If you're not married yet, you better hang on to that. You don't owe me any money. Just thank me after the service. But she goes to him and he starts stopping her. Stop talking. She, she, she just, and he just says, yeah, um, <laughs> if I was Jesus, I'm not. I'm so far from Jesus. Pray for me. Pray for my family. I would be like, yeah, I made the well. Yeah, I'm greater. I made the well, not Jesus. He doesn't say, hey, I made the well. I don't need a rope or a bucket. I'll make that water levitate. That's what I'll do. I'll tell that water to get up here. Now, I don't need you for a drink of water. I'll just tell the thing to fill up my bucket. I don't even have to go down there and, 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 and do it. I can just say, fill up my cup, and it'll just come on up. I don't have to do anything. But he stops her as, he, as he's talking to her. And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestors Jacob who gave us as well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? The next verse says this. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. He says, if you drink this water, you will be thirsty again. But, but those who drink the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. It, comes, it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. She begins to listen. Her heart, her heart begins to soften. And just spoiler, the chains, the, the straps be, are starting to come off of her in her life. She's actually starting to think, I've got a chance. I'm sure her eyes are super dilated right now because this guy is speaking some stuff into her and she's receiving because she knows she's strapped. She knows that she's living in a place where she's not supposed to be living at. She knows all those things. Her eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And she says, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come to get here water. Verse 16, go and get your husband, she, Jesus says to her. Here's where her eyes get really big. <laughs> go get your husband, Jesus said to her. And he says to her in verse 17, she says to him in verse 17, I don't have a husband. I don't have a husband. Jesus said to her, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at the Mount Gerizim, where our, our, where our ancestors worship. She starts talking to him about church. <laughs> Isn't it funny sometimes how we work? Here's what I, here, I have like so much I want to say to you today, and, and here's, what I want, here's what I want you to know, is that the church that you should go to, the church that you should plug into, you ought to find a church where the people love you and the pastor loves you. 
You ought to find that. And hopefully you've landed here. And you say, okay, man, this guy, he loves us. He, he, he loves us. We, we went out on Thursday night with a, a, a new family at the church and went and had dinner with them. And, and they're like, why? You know there's going to be a curfew. So I'm like, I know. We want to go hang out. All the restaurants are closed. We drove to Claremont. We dropped our kids off at, at Fraley and, and Brooks' house. We went to dinner with this couple and went and hung out at Fraley and, and Brooks' house for a little bit. And you want to find people and find a community where people, they love you. You want that. And I want to make sure you find that. And so hopefully this place is that place for you. And that's a, good, that's a good church to find that. But you want to find a church that has this, has that love, and it has something else. And, and because I'm going to, I want to make sure you, you gather this. You want some, a church that's going to preach this Bible to you. You want that. Like if, you're, if, if, if for some reason you don't land here, or if you, do, if you have land here, you've realized, man, this guy, he loves people. This church, they love people. His family, they, they love people. They, they want to love people. They want to hug people. The Hope High Five thing, that's cute. And the hug thing, that's awesome. I love all that. But I want to be at a place where they teach the truth. Because the Bible tells us, this book says, the truth is the only thing that can actually set us free. Like, I want to help you take the straps off, but I can't do that. I, I can give you some advice, but I can't. I don't have the truth. I, I'm not the truth. Jesus is the truth. His word is the truth. So I can only come to you and say, hey, here's the Bible. Here's the truth. That's, that's, all, I can, that's all I can do for us. I can love you, uh, we can, I can create, create environments where we love people, we hang out with people, but also the part I have to do is I have to, I have to present the truth to you. The Bible says I'm going to stand in front of God one day and I'm going to be judged for everything I've done. And, and, and leaders, leaders, it says leaders that are, they're doubly judged. I'm going to give an account for everything I say and do in this community. And all the lives and all the people that I've connected with, I'm going to give an account for that. And so as I, I, as I teach this to you, you want to make sure that you grab these truths today and begin to apply them. That's what you ought to, you ought to do that. And, and Jesus is saying to her, he, he, he loves her. I think she starts to see that he loves her. I mean, this guy, he, I think he loves me. Like, I think this guy, he actually is the son. I've heard he loves people. And, he, and she begins that. But then he starts talking truth. But you know what we do sometimes? I think this is, this is so weird. This, I'm saying a lot to say this. It's weird sometimes. Sometimes that we realize God loves us. And he's for us. He has a plan for life. And we grasp that. We grasp it. Like, I mean, he loves me. He, he. But then we, he starts telling truth to us, and we're kind of like, er. And if we don't do that, that's old school, by the way, if, if you know what that means. Talk to the hand. You get it. But here's what, another thing that we do. Is that we, we, we he, God loves us, he's for us, and, and we're trying to live our lives for him. But I think a lot of times in this lady, she starts talking about church. You wonder why she starts talking about church? Because a lot of times when we're doing things we shouldn't be doing, we start trying to package ourselves around with a lot of good things. Are you tracking with me? Are you tracking me? Let, let, let me? let me make it a little bit more simple for you today. I can come to church here tonight and be in this morning and I, could, and I could pour into you guys and I can, and I can teach the truth to you guys and, and, and I can go into community group. I can drive across town and I, can, and I can lead a community group on the east side of town. I can do that. And then on Wednesday night, I can go to my house and be in a community group with Josh and Victoria which if any of the things that you think I've screwed up, they're my, small group, they're my community group leaders, <laughs> so pray for them. And uh, I can go to community group, and I can wake up, and I can do all these good things. I can do a lot of good things. But if Friday night you see me driving around, and you see me going places I shouldn't go, you would say, Wes, I don't, Wes, I don't, I'm not down with that, Wes. Are you following me? I, and I get you and say, well, I'm doing a lot of good things, and you would say, Wes, that's, Come on, Wes. You know better than that, Wes. But that's kind of what we do now. We do a lot of good things, a lot of good things, a lot of good things, a lot of good things. But we do this one thing, and we don't let, that, we don't let God have that one area. Like, it's, 
It's kind of like we put it, you know that room, like I grew up in a, in a house where you couldn't go in that one room that had white furniture in it. That's bad parenting. At my grandma's house, at my house it was, it was, it was, it was white couches. At my grandma's house it was couches and it had plastic over it. If you don't know about plastic on the furniture, you ain't lived yet. <laughs> what, what's a, what good is a room you can't go in? <laughs> what good is a room you can't go in? Sit on that comfortable. It looks comfortable. It is comfortable. No one's ever sat on it before. <laughs> Only the guests. I'd be silly. Hey, you can come to my house, hang out, make yourself comfortable, but don't go in that one room. And sometimes we go, God, I got, to, I got to, this, this, and this, but God, don't go in this one area. So he says to him, are you... She starts talking to him about church <laughs> and worship. I'm going to tell you the end of the story because I want to share some things with you that I think that are, that are important that you need to grasp. <clears throat> this lady here, she, she gets it. And you know the phrase that we could pull out and preach from today is that she leaves. You want to know what she leaves and does? She runs to town and says, come and meet the man that told me everything I'd ever done wrong. Which is weird, right? Like, that's, like if I met you today, you would say, hey, I want you to come meet my pastor. You, if you left here today and we met and we hung out and then you went to, you went to, you went to work to, on Monday, you say, hey, you got to come meet my pastor. You got to come find out how screwed up he is. <laughs> that would be weird, right? That is weird. Like, I am screwed up, but that would be weird for you to go say, I'm going to go tell you everything. My pastor screwed up. You got to come meet him. You wouldn't say that. You would say, man, you got to come meet my pastor. I met some of uh, Kaylin's friends yesterday. She's like, oh, I, Diane and Wes, they're the coolest pastors ever. you got to come meet them. You gotta, that's what you would say. Or you would say, you got to come meet my pastor. You know, he wears skinny jeans. I don't know what you would say, but you'd say, come meet my pastor. you got to come to my church. The people are so friendly there. Or they have coffee there. Or, man, we're, we're, we're sending money and resources, and we're sending to Haiti. You know what? My church, we've had almost 80 people give their life to Christ. you got to come to my church. Hey, at my church, hey, I'm getting baptized on October 30th. you got to come to my church. Hey, at my church, my kids go to this kid area, and they have a blast. Or my middle school student, they got donuts and chocolate milk and apple juice. And at, at my church, it's actually fun. It's not boring because we believe church should be enjoyed, not endured. Hey, at my church, you ought to come to my church. You would start listening to all the good things. And this lady says, hey, guys. You want to come meet the guy that told me everything that I did wrong. You want to know why she said that? Of course you do. <clears throat> I'll tell you. Because she experienced true love that day. And it changed her life forever. And here's, here's how. This isn't, I hope, I don't know if this is psychological or not, but here's the deal. If someone likes you because of all your baggage, you know they're going to like all the good things about you. I'm kind, I'm funny, I'm sweet. You know, I'm smart. Uh, you know, I, I do this well, I do this well, I do this well. But if you could find someone that, that likes you, likes all your baggage, all your imperfections, <laughs> then you know. I mean, it, those of us that are here and married today, like, you're sitting next to someone who knows all of the bad stuff that you do. And I've done. It's easy for me to like Maggie. I don't know her that well. It's easy for Maggie to like me. She doesn't know me that well. But Diana... <laughs> she knows all about me. She made a choice to like me and to love me. And I made a choice to like her and to love her. I have to talk her into it still sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, hey, do you still love me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Gabe? I'm like, hey, you, we, we still good? And she's like, yeah, we're still good. You don't deserve me, but I'm, we're still good. <laughs> 
this lady, she says, hey, I want you guys to meet everything, the guy that knew everything about me, and yet he still loves me. He still loves me. And that's true love. And that's the end, but I want to back up for a moment, and I want to, I want to talk about this lady for a little bit. If you're looking for a, a title today, I wrote down this. This lady, for whatever reason, she lived her life with this phrase, looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Later, Johnny Lee, that's lyrics from his song, but she was looking for love in all the wrong places. And I, I, I want to unpack why, um, why she did that, if that's okay, for just a few moments. I'm not going to take a long time, but I, I want to unpack why she was looking for love in all the wrong places, and if I can... I, I want to give you this phrase today, and here's why it's important. If we don't know what real love is, we will settle for something that looks like love. If we don't know what real love is, then we'll have to settle for something that looks like love. And you want to grasp that. Like, you want to grasp that. Like, in, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus is love. And, if, and this lady, she met Jesus. It changed her life, friends. Jesus changed this lady's life forever. We're not unpacking all that today. That's just what happened. But so many people, they preach that like, man, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And that is good. And he, he, he does. But you have to go back here and figure out why she was strapped relationally. <clears throat> and so here's what, here's what I've gathered, okay? And I, I want to recommend something to you today. When you leave here today, I ordered this book. I wanted to bring it in and show it to you. But because of the hurricane, it didn't get here in time. But there's a book. If you're like, if you're trying to have like healthy Relationship. If you're in here today and you say, Wes, I just want to find true love, that's not a bad thing. I want to find someone who loves me for all of my problems and all of my, the bad and all the good. I want to find someone like that, Wes. I want to find that. There's a book out by a guy named Donald Miller, and the book's called Scary Clothes. Donald Miller, Scary Clothes. He went through his life. It looks just like that. <clears throat> he went through his life. He broke off an engagement. He hit, 40, he hit 40, 41, broke off an engagement. And he, he got to the place, he went to his friend named Bob. And he said, Bob, I just suck at relationships. All the middle school kids are gone, so I can say that. I stink at relationships. And Bob's like, no, 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 you're good at it. You're good at it. He's like, no, 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 I'm not. Every, everyone I get in, I get, I get to a certain point, and I, I, I screw it up. He's like, no, no, you're great at it. Don't, don't, don't cut yourself short. He's like, no, no. So he says, hey, I want to send you to this place. It's, 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 it's a seven-day retreat. And this is where all this book comes from. I'm kind of unpacking it for those of you guys that aren't going to read it, <clears throat> which is okay because I'm not a reader. But for seven, and there's, there's like, you can look on YouTube as well. He's got like 12 different things. It highlights, if you're not a reader, it'll highlight the chapters. So he goes, no, you're really good at it. And so he goes to this thing. It's where these writers and songwriters and book authors, and they go there and they, and they, and they stay there for they stay there for, um, for seven days, and it's the equivalent of nine months of counseling. <laughs> like, that's a long time. Like, we need to send our pastor there. <laughs> and they begin to unpack. He unpacks a story, all of his issues and all of his things, and, and unpacks why he kept on screwing his relationships on the end down here. And so here's what he, he kind of unpacks a couple things. And you have three options, okay? You, have, you, you can either be in a healthy relationship, 
You can be in an unhealthy relationship or you can be in isolation, okay? Those are your three options. That's everyone's options. You can be in healthy relationships, you can be in unhealthy relationships, you can be in healthy, you can be in unhealthy, and you can be in isolation. And one of those is right and two of them are wrong. Here's what he found out about himself. What happens for a lot of us, we go through something in our life and it's traumatic. And we have three options. He, he kind of gives three options. So he goes, what I found in my life was I was a little bit codependent. I mean, this guy's going psychological on us. I, I was codependent. He said, that's what I found about myself. So I need relationships. What happened was I'd get in these relationships and I would get so far, I'd get so far, I'd get so far, I'd get so far. And then I would realize, I don't like this. And I'm going to screw it up. And, we, and I would blow it up. And I would get another thing because I was codependent. I was codependent, codependent. And I'd get it for long enough and then I would... I would blow it up. He was codependent. Here's another thing that he, he, he realized. My kids let me borrow this, Vanessa. The second option, which a lot of us do, is we put a mask on. Some of you guys are like, my pastor's not going to put that on. Of course he is. This is if you're a first-time visitor, <laughs> this is normal. This looks, this looks so silly, right? I'm going to give you time to get your camera out. If you want a picture, I'm going to let you get a picture because that's what we do. Like, if, if, it didn't, if, it's not, if a picture's not snapped, then it didn't happen, you know? And so if I walked around with this mask on, you would say, oh, my, this guy is an idiot. And I am. But here's what he decided. And I got to take it off. My son's like, if you talk, Dad, it moves the eyelids. Anyways, my son had to explain to me how to put this on today. It's not that hard. I'm not that behind. I'm about at a third grade level, but <laughs> you can be codependent. Like, I need relationships, I need relationships, I need relationships, I need relationships. And here's the deal. Like, if you want companionship, that's not a bad thing. There's a guy out there. There's a girl out there for you. And if you surrender your life to Christ and you follow Jesus and you live unstrapped, you'll find the person. I just believe that. Then there's living with the mask. He goes, I would put a mask on. So here's what they do. He goes, when you go to this retreat center, you can't tell anybody what you do and who you are. This guy, Donna Miller, I don't know how many books he's written, but he's a New York Times best-selling author. He said, typically when I go places, that hurt my head, it was on too tight. Typically when I go places, I start telling them who I am and what I do. And that's my thing. He goes, what happened was I got about four days, I got comfortable into this thing. No one knows who I am, I got comfortable. And he goes, you know what I became? I cracked a joke and everyone started laughing. He's like, it was like a drug infused into me. Like, they like me. He goes, and I was coming, he goes, I made a commitment. If I never write another best-selling author, and ever write another best, a New York Times bestseller, I'll be a comedian because I found out that day I was funny. I can relate with that. I was telling our dream team this morning, our, our people that are putting this whole thing on today, that, I, that, that was me and for so much of my life. I lived with this mask on. I, you, can you can ask my mom, I got in trouble time because I would, in school, I was, a, I was the class clown. Because of whatever happened, I just decided I was going to, and, and for me, I would get people before they got me. Like your mama jokes, I know all of them. I was crushing the game. Like I, I could, you name it, I, I would go. I love now that my kids are catching on to your mama things. And so I'm trying to explain to them that it's not, it's not funny when my nine-year-old says my five-year-old, your mama. <laughs> like it's your mom too. Like I'm trying to explain that to them. Like it's, they're learning though. Friends, you can put a mask on, but what will happen is that no one will ever get to know you. And what happens so much more is that you'll never get to know yourself. 
because you'll walk up to a mirror and all you'll begin, you'll begin to see the mask. And you'll get used to seeing the mask. And then there's the third option. He says, I can, I can live in isolation. You can live in isolation. And by the way, that's unhealthy. That's un, that kind of falls in the, the unhealthy relationships. Um, here's, what he, so here's what he says in the book. You're like, I don't need to read the book. You told me all about it. You're welcome. He says, so now I'm like, I've gone through this rehab and, and now it's my chance to see if this stuff works. <laughs> he said, so the guy says to me, I don't want you to date anybody for six months. He said, so I meet a girl. This is how God works, right? Like, I've, I've been a youth pastor my whole life and a college pastor. And I would say, hey, I want you not, to, I would tell kids, I want you to not date for, I would tell these college girls, like relationship after relationship after relationship. I said, hey, sweetie, can you not date for six months? Just try it. See what happens. And they were done it. But you know, you know what always happens, inevitable? Month five happens. <laughs> There's a book out that, that was out a while ago called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. I never did that. But I Kissed Dating Goodbye, and that was a Christian book. And some of you guys read that book. Your parents made you. Like, if you want to go on a date, read this book. <laughs> he, so he, he meets this girl at month five, and he says, to her, he says to her, hey, I need to tell you something. She's like, yeah. He goes, I'm not allowed to date you for another month. <laughs> Like that, he goes, and the second thing he says to her was, um, typically when I date somebody, it never ends well. <laughs> he goes, that's not a good pickup line. I don't recommend that. He goes, but it worked. I just said, I, I typically screw this up all, every single time I've done this, I've screwed it up. And he goes, and long story short, happily ever after, Betsy, becomes my wife a year and a half later. And here's what I, you're like, man, this Wes, I don't even know if this even, I don't even know if this is for me. I don't even know why you're talking about it. Here's what I know, is that God has a great plan for your life. And the plan that he has for your life is healthy relationships. But most people, we live strapped. And isolation is just as bad as being strapped. I'm in this community group and the people just say whatever they want to say in the community group. Stuff they like about the church, stuff they don't like about the church, in the community group. And I'm the pastor on the chair saying, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And I love it. It's a transparent, it's a transparent church. You're like, right, I'll see you later, Wes. I'll go to the one down the street. Maybe you will. Hope you stay at this one. Here's what I know. God has this great plan for your life. He wants it so bad for you. He, wants a, he has a great, great plan for your life. But if we live strapped in the area of relationship, if we're living codependent lives, if we're living a mask on, if we're living in isolation, you'll, we'll never get to be where God wants us to be because it's hard to get there when you're strapped down. It's hard to get to be where God wants you to be at if you're strapped down in whatever area it is. Wes, I'm a Christian. You could be a Christian. It's what's weird. This is going to sound silly, but you could be a Christian and still live strapped. And I believe it's a choice that we all make. Wes, Jesus saved me. He died on the cross, rose again. I love that. I love that. I need him. I need him. I love him. But I'm still going to live strapped. If we get this right, guys and girls and friends, we can change the world if we get it right. We can change the world. We can meet some really cool people 
Some of you guys, the, the facade that you're wearing, you're a great guy in here. You're a great girl, and you're a great guy, and you're a great girl, and you're a great guy, and you're a great girl. <clears throat> and God's going to do a great work in your life. But we got to give our lives to him, and we got to live fully unstrapped. Let's bow our head in a word of prayer.